I I can hear you. I heard you. I can't hear myself. You can't hear yourself. You know why? My soloed. No. Ah, there we go. No, I you, hear nothing. Your levels were set to the size of your dick. <laughs> so so really little. For those of you who requested an update on Manny's condition. <laughs> um, so last week, the boys and I took a road trip to go spring Manny from the uh, ICE detention center slash Bucky's corporate headquarters and barbecue sandwich distribution center. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, got a little turned around, took left tur- uh, left turn at Albuquerque, and we ended up in Tijuana, Mexico. Spent about a week and a half in a brothel where I overheard Drew say to at least <laughs> seven different women, quote, I'm going to take you away from all of this. <laughs> You're such a romantic. And uh, it doesn't feel great to get kicked out of a Mexican brothel. <laughs> it doesn't feel great to get kicked out of Mexico. But <laughs> here we are. We're back and to talk about more history. So, um, Drew, how you doing? I, I'm... Honestly, the most comfortable I've been in a while. Was that? Um, I'm basically, with the exception of my jeans, I'm I'm wearing my PJs. I mean, my shoes. Got my comfortable socks, even comfortable underwear. So you're wearing a comfortable shirt. I'm wearing a very comfortable <laughs> shirt. If I was any more comfortable, I'd be wearing my my gray sweatpants. But I figured that wasn't appropriate for my big learned schlong. That's okay. That's half. That's half right. Half brag. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are learned men. We're here to talk about learned things. So let's 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 let my first teacher uh, give us a little bit of an intro. Okay. Hey, what's that? <laughs> well, looks like we give him the slip, Muxy. Yeah, Rocky, we sure did. I wish I was smart like you, boss. Turn it on the radio. Okay, boss. The police believe the robbery is the work of the notorious Rocky and his pal Muggsy. They were last seen on... Turn it off the radio. Gee, some hole. Yeah, all 14 carrots. Carrots? Carrots? Who, what, where, when, who, where, where, what, where, who, when? Hey, Roxy. Rare. We better get some shut-eye if and we're gonna pull that job tomorrow. Okay, boss. Why, those dirty crooks? Someone ought to teach them crime doesn't pay. And it looks like that someone's gotta be me. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about Bonnie and Clyde today. <laughs> but uh, that was the closest I could find at anything funny about Bonnie and Clyde. Other than Bunny and Claude. <laughs> I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna do that. That seemed too on the nose, on the on the little rabbit nose. You know, it's funny. I I was telling Kyle, I was like, "Hey, man, you should do like a uh, like that Beyonce uh, Crazy on Love." I think it's called. That's the one with uh, Jay Z talking about like they're the real Bonnie. They're the rap version of Bonnie and Clyde. So I was like, "Oh, that'd be perfect." But then I also thought they're gonna get comic strike for that shit. That's Beyonce and Jay Z. Yeah. yeah, can't play not a second of that shit. Do you think Beyonce and Jay-Z really care what we're doing? Uh, yeah, but no. Yeah. Their lawyers do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but actually no. <laughs> Before we get into the historical shit, though, I went to the movies with Dano last night and saw moon, Moonfall. I thought it was called Moon Crash, but that's a Prey DLC <laughs> for the video game Prey. Um, 
But uh, so it's a Roland Emmerich movie and it's pretty much just Independence Day. It's like another Independence Day. It had all the same like, uh, you know, just cutting between different people, different parts of the country. Uh, every, you know, usually he broke his uh, rule, though. Usually it's an exterior shot of a building and it says like, CIA headquarters, Langley, Virginia, 0800 hours, you know, yeah. like the, 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 and you hear the little typewriter. Yeah, noise. Like, <laughs> yeah. But instead of that, it was, uh, it was like all interior shots. And one thing I noticed about it though, is super weird. There was no musical score in the first like quarter of the movie. Just like straight dialogue. It was just dialogue nothing. and sound oh. and stuff. And at first we thought, cause we saw it in Daytona. And at first we were, I was like, the theater's cheap. Why it is, <laughs> why does the, why does the, it just, the score is just this ambient, like, and I remember, oh, the racetrack is across the street. <laughs> and what we were hearing was the cars zipping around. But it was weird because, like, you watch Independence Day, and it's like, uh, you know, there's all there's this bombastic music that yeah. takes you from one character to the next. It's like, you know, Jeff Goldblum's at his computer, and he's like, wait a minute, we're all doomed. <laughs> and then it, like, cuts to uh, the interior of, like, the Pentagon here. <laughs> Yeah, that's how you know you're in a military place because they play drum, like drummer boy stuff. Yeah, marching, yeah. Shit. yeah, marching, marching drums. So, but there was like none of that. It was like sleepwalking, and first, I was like, <laughs> "Damn, I know it's all just getting up to the destruction porn." But now that we're in a CG era, it's like, who cares? So give me a little something. But it was, it was fine. It was, uh, it did do that shitty thing that I hate, uh, like in Contact when they're they finally see the aliens. And it's just one of the people from earlier in the movie, and they're like, "We scanned your consciousness, and we figured this." form would be the most pleasing to you. Such a That's, cop out. Yeah. With yeah. That so shit. dumb. I hate it's that cheap. shit. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is a guy who we had, we were already paying to be in the movie and now yeah. we don't have to have like an alien suit or whatever. Like anyway, that, that, that reminds that me of uh, like uh, the neighborhood watch movie. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, that movie had so the, many problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the failed attempt for that guy from uh, the IT crowd to, bust into the American mm-hmm. movie, movie scene. But yeah, all in all, it was, it was solid. And for this reason, and this reason alone, it ended. And I don't mean, I don't mean it was a bad movie. I mean, like we're, I'm so conditioned and we all are to like wait after the credits. It, the credits rolled, everybody stood up and walked out. It was like a tie time travel back to 19 <laughs> or like 2004. You're like, what are you doing? I was like, no, I was like, hell yes. This is what's supposed to happen. <laughs> This is, this is what's right, you know? And we just left and we, we walked out. I felt like I was in the early 2000s again. And uh, I was like, you know, usually the movies nowadays just end with the conclusion, you know, the, the climax. And there's like a little denouement where everybody's kind of hanging out and saying like, boy, what a crazy adventure. And then they cut to like a guy looking at a radar screen and there's like, beep, 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 beep. And he's like, sir, you're going to want to come look at this. And you hear the music. And then they like look at the screen and it's like a Green Lantern logo. And then they <laughs> Ryan look, Reynolds then is they, coming. Then they like look at each other and they're like, you know what that means. <laughs> this is a part two. Another $12 in a year and a half. <laughs> so I was really happy that, you know, and they did kind of set up for like a, they left it open, but it was like leaving it open for you to infer what happens next as opposed to setting it up for a sequel. Yeah, and that's yeah. also what I was going to get at it a little bit is like, it, I, I like it better when it's just, ambiguous but you can infer it yeah yeah like and, it's and, not like oh it, just in case if this is popular yeah. and there's was, a sequel and i was telling dan on the way out is like in the last 15 years or 20 years even it feels like Damn. it feels now <laughs> the past 15 years it feels like every movie has been made by nerds <laughs> this movie felt like 
you know, throwing back to the heyday of movies made by dudes rock kind of guys who hang out on yachts and who are mostly made out of cocaine. So like, like Michael Bay's. Right, the Michael Bay's, the Jerry Bruckheimer's, the Don <laughs> Simpson's, you know, like the, the that kind of, you know, we're, we're going to make a movie because, you know, we, we care about the the art of storytelling. And, you know, like the, and they're talking really fast and some of them have ponytails. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I always say, it's like if a movie feels like it was directed by a pile of cocaine wearing sunglasses, it's a, it's, it's, right. it's a fucking good movie. <laughs> and that's what, kind of what this movie felt like. Um, the Disaster stuff was again detached because it's a cg heavy movie but what's really funny is they show new york getting obliterated <laughs> but there's one building that doesn't get knocked down you know what that was boys jump tower no 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 no, no. <laughs> empire state no sir the freedom tower never forget uh, wow you guys just all forgot you guys just all lost 9-11 look at this past 9-11 I I forgot it was nine eleven. I, I you 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 forgot I, you fucking I, commie. I know. I <laughs> I didn't do my patriotic duty of remembering. You didn't get an American. Hey, fuck. Fr- <laughs> like, it was at, it was at the end of the day where I or it was nine twelve where I realized. Like, oh it. shit! I missed nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> you sl- I slept through it again. But you actually liked Moonfall. You you liked that movie. I liked it for what it was. It was fine. It was like mm-hmm. a, it was nice. You know, my uncle would always say, you know, that it was air conditioned and I, I got to eat popcorn. And it was like it, it didn't. It did. The climate was nice. It didn't make me. It didn't do this thing where at one point in the movie somebody picks up a, a random prop and there's two man children in the front that look at each other and go, dude, and nobody else knows what it means. It's just like some random, it's like, oh, that's from issue 387 or whatever. That video Donovan was showing us earlier. It's like, actually, if you look at this, it's uh, it's from this dimension of, you know, Marvel Universe CT 225. And, uh, you know, again, if I ever start talking like that, please beat me to death with the shovel. Yep. Drew um, has that shovel ready and waiting. I will. Yeah. I'll do it now. I'll fucking do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Tap twice. <laughs> you have to make sure. There's always that moments where it's like you get like that second wave boss when you think that you're done, the credits roll, and it's just like, just kidding. I think Kyle is one of those people. <laughs> I, have, I have a Dark Souls second form. I have, you, you get my health bar down to like halfway and some weird shit will start growing out of my back. A little totem shoots out yeah. of him. Yeah. It's just, it's just another bigger version of me that starts ranting about all the problems with the sequel trilogy. <laughs> that's, that's, that's oh, wow. That, that's a very dangerous that's form. A, that's a big, that's a I'm going to need a tactical shovel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, today, <laughs> fellows, as Donovan requested, we're going to talk about Bonnie and Clyde. Really? You and, requested this? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I was going on my little uh, graveyard site stuff and I saw the Bonnie and Clyde stuff. So I was like, oh. I'm gonna check it out. Let's see what's going on with that. And then I learned a lot. The big follower of their work. Yeah, yeah. They was they was rebels, man. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely rebels. Have you ever had like a past interest from them? It was just like a uh, love rekindling. I mean, like I, I've heard of them, of course, and like I've seen some stories about them, but I've never actually dove into like like what they was actually doing and stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a. Uh, I would say they were like at that time the modern day uh, Robin Hood. Both yeah, I was, I was trying to think, is there a modern day equivalent of those guys? Not really, right? Not really, yeah. There is no, like, normal person now that's, like, doing bad for good or whatever right, the shit yeah. that kind of is, like, social justice. They're but, all hackers now. Have y'all yeah. seen uh, Black and Swim? 
Black and Slim. Mm. They're like the the black version of Bonnie and Clyde. That's tight. Oh, nice. Because yeah. I was just about to ask: Is has there ever been like a good like movie or show of Bonnie and Clyde? Because none come to mind. Yeah, now that one, I would say, I would Wait, say, yes, yeah, check it out. Did they have a movie? Yeah. Well, yeah, Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway and uh, Warren Beatty. When did that come out? Uh, 60s? 70s? Okay. Mm. Mm, but it, I mean, it's really good. Yeah. They, like, bring in, like, old photos of, of them in, like, the beginning and end, like, they bookend it. Yeah. And they, like, mix in some of, like, the, the actual film shots. Oh, and, that's well, that's what... I would say they kind of nailed that's it. That's what really made them infamous was the photos that they found. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that they busted up their hideout in, like, 32 or 33... Two, uh, two whiskey-soaked, freckle-faced, swollen hunks of Irish soda bread uh, came, came, to, came to bust up on uh, what they thought was like a, a, a stash for booze during the Prohibition era. And what they found was a fucking a bar rifle. <laughs> they got lit the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> That's the cool thing. I was watching the, the documentary about him with Caitlin, and I was like, that's not true. That's not, that's not how that happened. Cause I read a lot about him and I was like, I kind of got, I understood where they were coming from in terms of like, they weren't born evil. It was, it was truly was a story of like the system starting with Clyde, the system making him as one person who went to prison with him said, turn him from a schoolboy into a rattlesnake, the putting low level offenders in general population and on like a work farm horrendous conditions. They threw him yeah. on a farm? A work farm, yeah. That's what they used to do. They used yeah. to have... Uh, like a chain gang Kind of yeah, like, yeah, like, like that, yeah. yeah. So uh, let's start with their early history, though. Let's start... Let's get a little picture of where... How they came up. Um, uh, Clyde, we'll start with him because, you know, dudes rock. Um, <laughs> uh, he was born on March 24th, 1909 in uh, Toleco, Texas. Uh, it was a farming family. I guess everything was just really dusty back then and dry, because like every farm in the area was just crumbling and everybody had to move into the city. He was born Clyde Chestnut Barrow. It's, it feels like one of those behind the music things where you have like Axl Rose, born Jonathan Dempsey Pyle. Was, uh, <laughs> was, uh, he had six siblings. Damn. Yeah. So uh, in the drought forced the farm to shut down and they moved the family to Dallas in 1922. Uh, Clyde was a bit of a musician. He played guitar and saxophone. Famously, one of the things that the guys that mercilessly gunned them down, spoiler alert, <laughs> looted was his saxophone out of the trunk of the uh, the V8 that they drove to their deaths. Oh, damn. Um, Imagine what that's worth now. Like, I mean, his family has it now. His family has yeah. it? Yeah. Well, wow. You're, you're jumping ahead. Um, <laughs> Clyde, uh, Clyde, Clyde had an older brother. We'll just call him Buck. His name was Ivan, but he's going to go by Buck through this whole thing because it's also a cooler name. Uh, he was country enough. He was a petty criminal and he took Clyde under his wing when they moved to the city because there was like no real work to be had. I don't remember if it was Bonnie or Clyde. I think it was Clyde's family that when they moved to the city for the first like couple months, they had to live underneath. They had to like sleep underneath of their wagon because what? they had to save up enough money to buy a tent. I think that was Clyde's because it wasn't. Like Bonnie's family, kind of like not rich, but no, like well off. They were, Bonnie's family, her father died when she was really young, and they moved in with their grand, her grandparents. Oh, so that's that's good. So they had a little bit of a bet, but Bonnie had to move to a place. Do you remember what it was called, Donovan? No, I do not. Cement City. <laughs> oh, wow. It's like that is a depression era town. Wow. Like, that's yeah. a shanty town if I've ever heard of one. Um, <laughs> you just stuck there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that sounds like. Yeah. Concrete. <laughs> Concrete as fuck. You don't get to leave, dude. Uh, so Clyde and Buck got into some real Polly Walnuts type shit, and they uh, 
they were just like trying to sell some stolen turkeys from a truck that they had hijacked. For those of you who aren't cool and don't watch The Sopranos, uh, Polly Walnuts gets his nickname because he hijacked a truck that he thought was filled with like expensive stuff that he could resell, and it turned out to be filled with walnuts. Oh. Uh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it was probably walnuts. So they, they did that, but they were like sell, reselling turkeys. Like, and, uh, and in the, in the documentary, it was really funny because a woman with like no trace of irony is saying like, so yeah, they were, the, the, turns out the turkeys were hot and they were selling hot turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but that's how, uh, that's how he got started in his life of crime. He started uh, stealing cars and uh, did a little bit of armed robbery, but nothing too intense. Uh, but he became a wanted fugitive by 20. So he started his life of crime pretty early. He was pretty desensitized to like the idea of c committing crimes and being on the lam. Is there like, yeah. like at least people when they get their start from an external source, like that's not a person. Like, is there anyone that's above the age of like 25 Probably not. Before, uh, yeah, like, that's funny. That would be a really funny thing to like, yeah, <laughs> like at, at like at like 40 being like, I'm really getting into car clicking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like, at the I, age of 60 yeah. in 1933, it's like, you know what I'm going to do? Bank robbery. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> that was never My knees are still spry. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in that era, like you either become like a farmer, poor or a criminal. Well, that's the thing. It was like, <laughs> we're in talking depression times and stuff. So it's like, you know, there was really no work going. The only people that were making money were people who were building things. And those people were underpaying the people who were working for nickel, them and building the things. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, there was a lot of, you know, look the other way while I give this guy a kickback kind of mm. stuff, you know. And then the police force was also incredibly corrupt yeah. because they were just, what they were after was like, you try to get a criminal that's been brought in from a low level crime. He gets out and you basically just zero in on that guy Anytime anything happens, you go to his work and start questioning him about it. So eventually he gets fired and then he's out of luck. So he's got to go to crime again. And guess what? You get to arrest him, put him back in the, at the, at the work farm. And then the warden, you know, makes a very sizable donation at the Chris, uh, at the, uh, the policeman's dinner, you know? <laughs> uh, so it's, it's just this like vicious cycle of just treating people like the, you know, the animals, you know, cattle. Yeah. So moving on to Bonnie, she was born October 1st, 1910, just a year, uh, and some change after, uh, or just a little under a year, it looks like, actually, after Clyde. So uh, she was born in Rowena, Texas. Uh, born Bonnie Elizabeth Parker with two siblings. In 1914, Bonnie's father died, and her mother moved them into a poor neighborhood, yeah, known as Cement City. Uh, she was an honor student, and she did write poetry. And actually, like, by the end, the poetry was not bad. I was fully prepared <laughs> to be like, damn, this shit sucks, but it was, like, not terrible. So I was like, yeah, hell yeah. It was Yeah, I heard that like she left like <clears throat> letters, yeah. uh poems for people and and, crime scenes and yeah. stuff. Yeah. She would, <laughs> and, and they were like a, if they would have to leave a hideout real quick and cheese it, they would like they would find her poetry. That's like Riddler type <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm also glad bringing up another cliche that uh Clyde didn't go after like someone that's vastly vastly underage. Like Yeah. I feel like that's also a trend. Like, like, he was twenty. Come here, girly. But that's the thing, it's like these you'll find like they're very little in my mind makes them outright like villainous. Yeah, it's no. All like like, I, like the the villainy came from the corrupt shit that yeah. happened at the circumstance. time. Yeah. yeah, that was a victim of circumstance. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Bonnie wanted to be a movie star. <laughs> she did not really have the looks for it. Um, <laughs> Buck's wife, on the other hand. Betty. Oh, my God. Betty. Like, 
to, to even to today's standards. She really? Was, yes. Batty. You should look up some pictures of her. So uh, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get to her. Drew's already doing it. <laughs> yeah, she gets funny, like, <laughs> Buck Barrow wife's tits. <laughs> Buck Barrow wife's feet. <laughs> yeah. uh, nude question mark? <laughs> there is no question mark. Uh, hey, I'm sorry, guys, but I just got to say, y'all seen Betty White's nudes? She Betty has White has yeah, nudes. Yeah, when she was when she was younger, not now. No. Not when she was older. But when she was younger, Betty. I'm telling you, I looked it up. I was like, oh shit, Betty is, wasn't a bad looking woman. Yeah, she wasn't, bro. In her in her younger years. All right, Betty. Now hold still while the copper takes. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, um, he's under the sheet. Yeah, he's just and he's, he's and under he's, there for and a he's while. Beaten off. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that like any photographer taking any model's picture? Yeah. Like basically, uh, yeah. Just go ahead and uh, go ahead and rub her back a little. Go ahead and just give her a little kiss. Okay. <laughs> yeah. no, moving, moving closer. No, yeah. This is yeah. Don't be afraid. This is, this is working. Yeah. Yeah. This, this nice. looks good. Very good. This looks really good. Stroke her hair. For, it's perfect for the camera. It's fine. <laughs> Who's that? Who's that? Is that your friend? Get, get her over here. <laughs> get her in the mix. Yeah. You're talking about okay. So you're talking about Blanche Barrow. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Like yeah. That's yeah. his wife. Yeah. It looks like fucking Bellatrix Lestrange. Let me see. What? She was hot in the pictures I saw. As, I mean, I'm, right. I'm looking at her mugshot. Yeah, her mugshot. Yeah, nobody mug looks good yeah, in a mugshot. Yeah. yeah. Except for Mel Gibson. <laughs> hilarious. I in a mugshot. think this is her. Yeah, she's pretty good. Yeah. Like, I think she's oh, good yeah, looking yeah, for yeah. the time, but I wouldn't say by today's. I mean, for the today's. time. For the time. You're, Get you're, out of here. You're saying by today's standards. You wouldn't fuck her. I would. Mm. Balls deep. It's a new segment. And, would you smash this historical figure? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hedy Lamar <laughs> gave us Wi-Fi and, and thus pornography. Would you smash? Yes. Actually, yes. Helen, <laughs> Helen Keller, would you smash? Oh. <laughs> uh, um. So anyway, uh, at, <laughs> at 16 years old, Bonnie married her high school sweetheart, Roy Thornton, and he like mercilessly abused her. Uh <laughs> what a sweetheart. Again, yeah. a sign of the times. It's okay. She she left his ass and moved in with her grandmother and found work as a waitress at uh, Marco's Cafe, which is like a diner in the area, um, where she kind of, you know, grew her friend network, where she was going to soon overlap with Clyde. Uh, Thornton, uh, he was doing a nickel for robbery. Do you want to tell them what a nickel is? <laughs> is that five? Five uh, years. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think we wouldn't know that? Because... This is the cool side. Because we're white. <laughs> that's, that's the not cool side. <laughs> right. Ah, fuck you, Kyle. <laughs> uh, he and Bonnie actually oh. technically never divorced, and she was wearing his wedding ring when they got gunned down. And upon uh, upon hearing- oh, um, Yeah, you need fucking life insurance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I could pawn this. Um, but upon hearing of her death, he was said like, without a trace of uh, animosity, he was like, I'm happy to hear that they died together. Like he was like, that's wow. Good. What they, a weird. Well, he, no, again, not with any animosity. He's not like good. They fucking died. He was like, they were in love. It's good that one didn't have to go without the other, you know? I know, but like June say, Carter and Johnny Cash, like months apart, you yeah, know, like to say that about like two criminals and everything. he was a criminal. He was in jail when he said this. Okay. That makes more sense. He <laughs> was beating her mercilessly. Why okay. Did, I didn't think he would get arrested because that's what happened back then. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, he's not, you're not wrong. But God damn it. <laughs> I mean, you're going to get the glove. You better chill out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Bonnie was suspected uh, from suffering from something called 
uh, hybristophilia, an attraction to people who commit violent crimes. It's known as Bonnie and, Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. That's the ah, thing. so she was yeah. the first. Yeah. But uh, wow. but yeah, they, it's it's been used to describe the people that would like write letters to Ted Bundy and like the Night Stalker. Oh, yeah, that's why okay. girls love bad oh, boys. So, like yeah. like extreme cases of like yeah. crip, like violent criminals, right? Almost. Or just like just heinous people you shouldn't be interested in. Like yeah. oh, you could say oh, the yeah. same. You could Cut say the same about uh, with the other way to do it is like men who. Like really want to smash Billie Eilish, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 face. I, I mean, <laughs> got some, got some slappers. She do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How yeah. do you tell in those hoodies? Tr- nah, you, there's a video. You gotta get. Donald's got all the titty videos. Yeah, we're, we're six steps ahead of you. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway. Um, so Bonnie meets Clyde. Uh, they suspect they were suspected to have met through a mutual friend in January 1930. Uh, Bonnie was 19, Clyde was 20, and he was also wanted for multiple charges of car theft. Again, not incredibly violent crimes. No. Just stealing cars. Yeah. One of the times, I think it was his brother, was wanted for car theft because he rented a car and just forgot to return it. <laughs> Which happens, you know. I'm surprised they had rent-a-cars back then. You could rent a car back then. You could rent anything. Yeah, yeah they go, go right over to Enterprise real quick. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> go to Hertz. Please, there's an item that comes out. There's some fuckers just yeah. like, I can make money off buy of them this. All. By <laughs> back then, it was arguably a bigger business because a lot of people like couldn't afford a car. A car until until the Ford, which I guess was long before this, but until the the Model T, the car was like known as just something for like wealthy people to tool around in. and mm-hmm. Like the, the guy in, uh, what's that fucking stupid book? book by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, Gatsby? Yeah. When they're the, like those style cars, that that would be the kind of guy who would have cars. Like, yeah. Are you good, bro? Because yeah, you're sweating hard over there. Am I? Yeah. I also just took a shower, so okay. that's probably yeah. part of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you for checking in on me, though, Don. That's why this is the cool side. Um, I am fanning myself like- Like a Southern Belle. Like a Southern Belle. Yeah. I do declare. <laughs> Who's going to escort me to the cotillion? Clyde. <laughs> so the two fell hard and fast but that was short lived because Clyde was arrested and sent to Eastham Prison Farm in Houston County in April of 1930 Bonnie being a ride or die bitch uh, <laughs> smuggled a gun please to, tell me that's off the Wiki- Wikipedia article <laughs> <laughs> that's some, that's some uh, po- poetic license I'm taking uh, but uh, she smuggled a gun in for Clyde to escape but he was quickly recaptured and sentenced to 14 years now the million dollar question where do you think she smuggled it pussy that's what I was trying you know, to I was just about to like say panties, that like probably it's like a little snub nose yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because like, don't, you can't, I can't frisk a lady. Like you'll find in this, there were, there were guys who were like, well, I'm a Texas Ranger and I've upheld the law for 35 years, but I'll be goddamned if I'm going to shoot a woman. Like there were, <laughs> yeah. there were that, that, that's the kind of stuff that was happening back then. Damn. And they got fed up. It's just like, they're robbing too many banks and we're going to shoot a woman. Well, they, just had to, they, just, they just had to find a really like dirty cop. But, uh, but yeah, he was just the kind of guy who was like, yeah, I like, uh, I like bringing people in, uh, with holes in them. Uh, so, but again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, so it was pretty sad about Clyde going to jail because again, people who uh, knew him in the slammer would say like he went from a schoolboy to a rattlesnake and he actually committed his first murder in prison. Uh, there was a guy, I think I have his name here, Ed Crowder. Seems like he deserved it based off that last name. Uh, <laughs> real troublemaker. He used to, <laughs> he used to uh, beat the shit out of and rape Clyde. Jesus, fuck. One night, Clyde lured Crowder into the toilets and beat him to death with a lead pipe. Another prisoner, already serving a life sentence, offered to take the blame. That was a gentleman. Hell yeah. He was like, look, I'm in here for life. (laughs) 
I'm not give, going anywhere. I'm give, as well. give me the pipe. I did it. You know, like <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. So Clyde wanted to get our work detail because it was grueling. It was just absolutely horrific. Uh, so he had another prisoner. They were allowed to use axes for like land clearing. And he had the other prisoner cut off two of his toes so he could Jesus. get out of work detail. Oh, yes. Unbeknownst to Clyde, while all this is happening, Clyde's mother was petitioning the governor to grant Clyde an early release. <laughs> and he agreed. And I got to imagine it might have been like a Forrest Gump situation, like how she gets him into school. You know? Damn, your mama really wants you out of here, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he, he released Clyde in February of 1932, six days after he got his toes lopped off. Wow. So my man was walking out of there with a limp. So, uh, <laughs> so Clyde was now a free man. This brings us to where I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because you need to understand something about Bonnie's dependency on Clyde. They got into a car accident in 33 where Clyde smashed the car into a dry like riverbed and flipped it. And back Shit. then the batteries, I think were underneath the floorboards of the car and it's disputed whether it was like a fire of the car, but based on the level of burns that she suffered of her leg, Ooh. they say it was battery acid because it burnt her all the way down to the bone to My the point God. where, and if you know anything about how like muscles react when they're burnt, they call it, um, like coroner's reports will just, just refer to something called a pugilist stance or pugilist pose. You know, those old like posters, like the put them up guys. Yeah. yeah. So if somebody burns to death, their arms kind of come in like this because that's, you know, your muscles mm. constrict. So she had kind of like a permanent flamingo leg Ooh, and she couldn't always damn. extend it because the, and being on the run at this time, they couldn't just like go to a doctor. So they had to like make their own salves and like get whatever painkillers they could get for her. So it's pretty fucking hardcore. And bear in mind, she's not really, I don't think she'd killed anybody up to that point. I might be wrong about that because the, all the accounting of all this stuff does go wildly out of order because <laughs> everything that happened, you have to kind of like, discuss it and then go back and reiterate why that's important. Yeah. You know? and a lot of their, their like recorded stuff was sensationalized too. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was like one report where, uh, you know, an eyewitness said that they heard Bonnie uh, cackling after leaving the scene of murdering a police officer at how his head bounced on the ground, like a rubber ball. <laughs> and it's like, that definitely didn't happen. And also, yeah. It wouldn't have bounced on the ground like a rubber ball because all those Mick cops just had big filthy spud heads <laughs> and they would just slam on the ground and then just go plunk, you know, yeah, squash. Yeah, it was just. I've it, never heard someone like I know about the 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 Irish slur of Mick. I've never heard someone actually use it in a sentence <laughs> and mean it. Hang out with me for a week. <laughs> I don't care for the Irish. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I hate the French. Everybody does. Yeah, that's not new. Yeah. yeah. I like select French people, but like as a whole. Pepe Le Pew? <laughs> he got canceled. Did you know that? Justice for Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My man's is hiding out with Louis C.K. They're <laughs> <laughs> holed up in an apartment in New York just waiting for like the heat to cool down. Yeah, the tweet that's all good. <laughs> fucking hate France. There's no AC. And they, they all cheat on each other and it smells her terrible. They eat, uh, they eat shit that they just find in their backyard. <laughs> you know, like they eat snails and shit. I mean, that's like the classic thing. Um, the only good thing about France is you can't go like five feet without hitting a bakery. And French bakeries are pretty tight. Yeah. I mean, it's all just like bread. A whole it's bunch nothing of yeah. like yeah. Bread's amazing. Good. But bread like, is so good. Bread's all right. Look at me still. and you and tell me we don't like bread. <laughs> <laughs> this is from this is from cupcakes. You like the, that's the sweet, sweet bread. Yeah, I like the sweet, sweet bread. bread. Yeah. 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 yeah, we're still talking about bread. We're in the bread family. <laughs> <laughs> 
so unable to visit a doctor, they used a baking soda salve. And the, the, like, can you imagine? Cause like my grandmother did that. Like a kid science project. Yeah. Well, my my little sister got stung by a bee when we were really young. And I have an early memory of my grandmother just dousing her finger in baking soda to try and make it feel better. And I asked my sister later, I was like, did that work? And she was like, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't work at all. Like people born, at least in my experience and like (sighs) the, maybe like the sixties is that baking soda is the, the cure all secure. It's the, it's the Windex of the guy from my big fat Greek wedding. Yeah. Didn't they tell you to brush with baking soda? Like brush yeah. your teeth yeah, with like them? Yeah. Like the, like was it Arm and Hammer is a baking soda company. Yeah. Like they made a toothpaste. The family of Army Hammer. <laughs> Famous cannibal yeah. Army Hammer. Yes. Would you eat a person's he, rib? No. We were talking about self-sucking earlier. You would eat your own <laughs> ribs so you could self-suck? No. You said you would self-suck. <laughs> I, How bad you want to self suck? Yeah. Not that bad. Not that bad. Because I kind of want to try a piece of Drew meat. <laughs> well, wait, that didn't come out right. <laughs> no, the fuck it did not. <laughs> I came out right, though. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> while in prison, uh, Clyde befriended another inna- inmate named Ralph Foltz. Uh, they bonded over their hatred of the prison system and they vowed one day to raid the prison, kill the guards and release the inmates. That's where I started to fall in love with like these guys. <laughs> I was like, these guys got a plan. Isn't that all you do in prison? But I mean like to ha- to such a degree of like, we're going to do a full on jailbreak. And they actually had a pretty solid plan. Uh, Ralph was paroled in 1931 and reunited with Clyde once uh, he was out as well. They formed the Barrow Gang, uh, Bonnie, Clyde, Ralph Foltz and Raymond Hamilton. Bonnie was known as being completely subservient to Clyde, contrary to the media that came out right after the Bonnie and Clyde stuff happened, is they, they kind of portrayed her as like the rough and tough big boss. girl boss. Yeah, that, but not the case. She was just like, she loved Clyde and she was along for the ride. He took yeah. care of her. She took care of him. How to die. <laughs> yeah, right. Bon- Bonnie is like one of the few women in history where like she was- but They don't suck? Well, <laughs> <laughs> they're not worthless in every way? Okay, well, so, not liars. so, so <laughs> kind we of, just lost our female that, that's, viewer. No, that's, that's singular. That's kind of what I'm getting at, but yeah. in an actual fucking proper way. Um, <laughs> what do you mean proper? Like they were written as like like the girl boss from the very beginning. Like, there wasn't any bullshit yeah. around there. It was just like, oh, it was oh, it was a woman. It's just like no, like this this yeah. like this bitch was tough. Like there's very few women in like that era and before. I that get what would you're be, saying. Cool thing about Ralph Foltz is, spoiler alert, he lived until like the age of 82. Damn. He died in the 90s. Damn. Yeah. Fuck, I fucking hate these headphones. And that was like, <laughs> he was in the 80s. He, he died in the 80s and he was in his. No, he died no, he in, was 90s. in his 80s. He died in 93. Man, y'all boys ain't even born yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> little kids. So, <laughs> knowing, knowing what you know through, knowing what you know through cultural osmosis, what do you think their main crimes were. And I'm not going to ask Donovan because he already knows. Who are we talking about in specific? Bonnie and Clyde. Just Bonnie and Clyde? Yeah. What What were their crimes of, of choice? What was their go-to? Through cultural osmosis. Yes. Like bank robbery. Yeah, armed robbery and shit. Yeah. Murder. That's what I thought too before I ran yeah. into Not murder. I never, th- I, I never took them as murderers. Right. Just straight they bank like robbers. I always just assumed yeah. they were murderers just because it's like, how are you going to like, you know, go in, rob a bank and not kill somebody? <laughs> I mean, it, you're right there. 
yeah. There's plenty of options. Might as well. You know, you're out. There's the fish market. You're craving shrimp. I mean, why not? What the fuck? Contrary to popular belief, and I was kind of shocked to learn this, is they did not really target banks that much. They focused on smaller targets like grocery stores, hardware stores, gas stations. So the mom and pop shops. Exactly. And also, National Guard armories. They loved... <laughs> Love, loved to That's steal weapons. Out of Damn. left field a little bit. Is it? Because remember, his plan is to one day do a daring daylight jailbreak of the prison that fucked him over. One time when he was in prison, he was watching the guy Ralph, I think. Maybe it was Ralph. Get the shit beat out of him. And Clyde was just like pissed watching him, watching this happen. And the guard just looked at him. He's like, what, you want some next? Like literally something out of a movie. <laughs> and, and Clyde was just, he kept his mouth shut. He was like, I'll be back for you. He's like, you know, like <laughs> I'm you, coming for you, you. You want this? You want to root for this guy? Yeah, you know? like yeah. really. So, <laughs> man, make the movie around that shit, right? Yeah. Seriously. In March 1932, a botched robbery led to a car crash that forced them to flee on foot. We're going to circle back around to that because that's kind of a huge deal. Um, but I'm just doing the broad strokes so we can get into like the, to the really you know, yeah. focus shit. Um, Faults was sentenced to 10 years while Bonnie only served a few months, being released in June of 1932. In April of 1932, Clyde and Raymond committed their first murder of J.W. Butcher, ironic, a merchant in, <laughs> in Hillsborough, Texas. All these, uh, some of these last names are yeah. a little on the nose for everything. Just like, oh, the, the guy got a little too crowded. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like an op. Yeah. So months later in Stringtown, Oklahoma, Deputy Sheriff Eugene Moore was killed by Raymond and Clyde after trying to arrest them for an open container charge. That one was pretty funny to me because, again, this is just some dumb cop, like a Barney Fife motherfucker. You know, he's like, well, I'm going to have to haul you boys in. And he's like, do you know who you're fucking with right now? <laughs> I can see the state line. We're going to kill you. Go over there and nobody can do a fucking thing about it. Because that's the way it was back then. There was yeah. no there was no radio, so you couldn't yeah. radio in a crime. If you got out of the sight line of a cop, it was GTA 5 rules. You know what I mean? You just All your stuff are gone. Yeah. It, wasn't, like, it wasn't like the state line thing a lot more strict where it was just like, yeah. oh, he's across the state as line. Can't do shit. Don't touch line, him. They, they slam the brakes and go, well, shit, you got away. <laughs> I guess we just have to go home and uh, drink. Hope he comes back. Uh, drink and beat our wives like the <laughs> Irish filth that we are. Um, <laughs> they were claimed to have murdered 13 people, nine of whom were police officers. That's not a bad ratio when you're thinking about like self-defense. You know what I mean? Like it's never, it's, I'm not saying it's good to kill cops. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm just, yeah, but no, I'm, but like in I'm the line like of stuff people, that they're doing. Yeah, when you're thinking about like stone cold murderer, serial killer type people, you don't really want to feel anything for them. But if you're just being a cool guy and, you know, saying, you'll never take me alive, coppers. That kind of thing. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a lot better. Would you say that, like, Bonnie and Clyde were the end of that era of, 100%, this, of yeah. like, yeah. like, they were the ones that, like, really popularized it and then yeah. fucking ended with them? And it's because... And that's when everyone went back. It's just like, oh, yeah, Billy the Kid and all that shit. Yeah, the two things I wanted to focus on with this mainly were, like, how the, uh, like, the for-profit prison system has always been... A, like nightmare factory that just turns out like horrors yeah and yeah. it makes people into things that they were should never have become the other thing i wanted to talk about is like the sensa the sensational what is that word sensationalize sensationalize it the sense you still can't fucking say it he puts you in a lawn chair <laughs> I'm the learned man over here <laughs> <laughs> the sensationalization that took all of my mental faculties. <laughs> <laughs> the sensationalization of 
the antihero. Uh, violence. Uh, the uh, Americans' relationship with violence at an arm's length is something that's pretty fascinating when you think about it. Uh, you know, we're horrified by the reality of it. If you were to show any, you know, American the horrors of like what we talked about in Vietnam, they're going to be sickened by it and say, you know, we need to stop doing what they're doing. But when it's a couple who are definitely smashing after every robbery <laughs> and they're like, just like shooting people and they fall down like the cowboys in the cowboy movies. <laughs> Americans have a love of that kind of like, and they pretend that they don't, they pretend that they want law and order and stuff, but everybody it's, it's not, I'm not the first person to say this. Like we, we have an addiction to that kind of like spectacle. Yeah. People love rooting for the villains too. Well, they, we love, not only that, we love, something wild happening. Yeah. yeah. Everybody gets a little excited when something crazy goes on, on TV. You yeah. Know, like, I mean, it's, it's coverage of something. It's a spectacle. It, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like if you're driving down the road and you see a huge car accident, you're not going to, you're going to look, you're going to yeah. look, you're yeah. going to slow down and look. Oh yeah. Yeah. I hate them motherfuckers too. You hate it, mm. but that's, the, that's, like, that's a perfect yeah. example of what we're talking about here. You hate the person in front of you that's doing it. And then you become that person in one second yeah, yeah. and then you're done being that person and you can shed it like a, like a robe. You're done with it. Yeah. And it, it leaves your mind and you never think about it again. It's like, fuck you guys. Fuck you guys. What? It's, don't, yeah. It's quit gawking at the wreck. I, I want to Oh, interesting. The, the wheel popped off. That's weird. Okay. All right. All right now I'm back on my track. And then like, you forget that, you know, you were, you just hated that guy a second ago. You know, we, we like to have it both ways, uh, which, you know, as we go on and talk about kind of their last couple of stands, and the 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 reaction of the American public to that that's what I really kind of want to zero in on here. Uh, so Raymond left a few months after Bonnie got out of prison. Um, she rejoined the gang. Raymond left, uh, and he was sentenced for murder and executed by electric chair in 1935 at 20 years old. Oh, that was painful. Yeah. Uh, in November of 1932, the 16-year-old. William Daniel or W.D. Jones replaced Raymond. And you were telling me about W.D. Jones. That's what got me interested in this. It's because you were like, hey, there was a third party, at least, you know. Uh, and W.D. was like the 16-year-old kid who was pissed that he's never mentioned once in the newspaper article. <laughs> yeah, it was always Bonnie and Clyde and not him. He's, he's like, like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I was there too. So, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Sorry, that was a little bit of late, delayed reaction. Yeah, I, was like, I was thinking about it. I was just like, I can only imagine a 16-year-old kid. Just like, you could relate to him. I was I shot a couple of the cops. Come on. <laughs> I shot the most cops. Yeah. <laughs> he understands me. You guys always get the picture in the paper. <laughs> uh, he grew up with Clyde and did look up to him. So that's, again, it kind of like this thing repeating itself with Clyde's brother to Clyde and Clyde to this guy, WD. In 1932 to 33, the Barrow Gang was operating around the city of Dallas. This is where uh, the pictures kind of come into play. On March 22nd, 1933, Clyde's brother uh, Buck was granted a full pardon and released from prison. He and his wife Blanche, Stone Cold Hottie, set uh, up a <laughs> housekeeping with Bonnie. All of them held up in a temporary hideout uh, at 3347 ha one half Oak Ridge Drive in Joplin, Missouri. For all you map heads. What the hell kind of address is for that? For all you map heads out there who want to Google Maps that, there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this was like the classic Justice League lineup for Haven. Uh, you had Bonnie, Clyde, Buck, Blanche, and W.D. Jones. It's like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern and Flash. The Flash. Flash, yeah. is, Flash is WD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 
So according to family sources, Buck and Blanche were just there to visit. Uh, and they attempted to persuade Clyde to surrender to law enforcement. Apparently, they didn't really persuade ah. him that much because they pretty much immediately joined his gang. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Clyde. Okay, no, let's do this. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> 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 switcheroo. <laughs> so they were like running these super loud alcohol-fueled card games like way late into the night. So it sounded like it was a speakeasy. Uh, one night even, uh, Clyde was cleaning his favorite gun, which is the BAR or bar. I don't know what guns are called. It's basically, it's the gun that... Um, uh, Ryben has in Saving Private Ryan. It's a big machine gun. I think they're called bar rifles. Oh, bar rifles, yeah. So he was cleaning it and it went off and like shot the wall. And <laughs> so the neighbors were like, all right, this is enough. <laughs> right, that's the last straw. <laughs> so they, none of the neighbors went to the house, but they reported suspicions to the Joplin police force. So a five-man team was assembled. So you had five filthy little potato people outside of the house. Uh, and... They, you know, they came in two cars. Uh, so not, you what know. A fucking <laughs> clown car for cops. Like yeah. those spuds in. <laughs> yeah. So. Like who's sitting in the back seat? Like that's going to be yeah, the run cop. Yeah, that's exactly. the WD of the cops. <laughs> yeah. For real. For real. Um, on April 13th, uh, they confronted what they suspected were bootleggers living in the garage apartment. And boy, were they wrong. That's when they just started blasting. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie, Bonnie just took that bar and lit up those fucking cars and a hail of fucking gunfire. Just, just, you know. Gorgeous. Amazing. Yeah, just so cool. Cinematic. Yeah. So they, you know, ducked for cover, but immediately Detective Harry L. McInnes Oh my God. was fatally, uh, was killed and uh, a constable J.W. Harriman was also <laughs> wounded uh, fatally. Uh, Parker opened fire again with the bar as the others fled, forcing the Highway Patrol Sergeant G.B. Kaler to duck behind a large oak tree. The 30 caliber bullets from the bar struck the tree and forced wood splinters into the sergeant's face. <laughs> <laughs> My God. He got lucky, uh, baby, if you yeah, think about for it. For real. Wood splinters? For real. Oh, then a bullet? <laughs> I'll take the wood I'll splinters. I'll take the wood splinters too, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Parker got into the car with the others who were escaping, and as they pulled away, <laughs> Blanche was still in the street where she was trying to get her dog back because it was like running away from the gunfire. Sprinkles, get back as, here! As close, it was Snowball. Could <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. you imagine this woman who just murdered three of your friends and she's yelling yeah. at her Snowballs, come, come back. Here, snowballs. Yeah. Just a hilarious scene. Snowball, come on! back! So they scooped her up with the dog, I would, I would imagine. It doesn't specify, but I like to think they got away with the dog. Um, later on, the surviving officers testified that they fired only 14 rounds. Kind of a, a weird number to remember. Yeah. I, I remember exactly how many rounds I fired in that horrific firefight that, where there's bullets tearing through my, my buddies. Um, uh, one hit Jones in the side, one struck Clyde, but was deflected by his suit coat button. That's... <laughs> Pretty that's wow. lucky shit. That bro. dude has a horseshoe up his ass. That's my lucky button. Bro, I'm definitely yeah. going to the lotto after that shit. Bro. Yeah. One also, who needs that? Did you just go fucking rob the grocery store? <laughs> <laughs> One of the bullets grazed Buck after ricocheting off a wall. So he didn't, he wasn't as lucky. Um, the group escaped the police at Joplin, but left behind most of their possessions including Buck's parole papers, which would identify him as one of the guys that were there, and a large arsenal of weapons, as well as a handwritten poem by Bonnie. And a camera, <laughs> most importantly, the camera with several rolls of undeveloped film. 
they developed the film and found all these really fucking cool pictures of like Bonnie and Clyde, like pr- like sh- sh- pointing guns at each other and just, <laughs> just just goofing around. Okay, now do one back to back. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> just, just, just straight goofing. They would stick the revolvers in like the grill of their car and just like say, it looked like a Gucci Mane cover, you know, like cover to one of his albums. Bro, you know? that, yo, how white are you, bro? Gucci Mane? It's Gucci Mane, bro. It's Gucci Mane. I always thought it was Gucci Mane. <laughs> it's Gucci Mane. All right, fine. It. It, you know what? Fine. It looked like a, 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 a flow rider. <laughs> I'll go wider. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get all the way to Vanilla Ice if we're not careful. <laughs> Shit. Salt and pepper. Okay. Yeah. Um, Salt and pepper. Whatever. But I heard uh, that's that. cultural appropriation, Drew. I'll have you know, Drew. Well, uh, what's that? What's that thing you told me earlier? What's that thing you were saying? Don't fall for it, Drew. Oh fuck, dude! Again? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Come on, man. <laughs> With Donovan here and everything. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> what are you gonna do about that? <laughs> Unbelievable, dude! This guy. This but guy. I also heard that like uh, like a lot of women <laughs> will. Oh, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't need to bleep that one. Donovan <laughs> said. <sorry. laughs> a lot of the women like idolized the uh, uh, Bonnie because like, like she was a girl she was, boss. She was yeah. She was like yeah. Uh, girls get it done. Oh, uh, badass! And like one of the pictures, she had like a cigar in her mouth. Yeah. And she had the the the, the what was it? The shot in her hand. Yeah, she had the shotgun. She was pointing it at Clyde's yeah. gut. Yeah, yeah, she was yeah. Pretending that she was like badass type shit. So. Yeah, she was a she was a real ass girl boss. Do you, you want to say something, Drew? He's contemplating. <laughs> <laughs> He's just shut down. Dead air. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna have to think about it. <laughs> She's like, where do I want to go? He's gotta find a new I'll, slur. I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know where I want to go. <laughs> okay. All right. Or when? Uh, that's uh, you. You'll give me the n-word look. <laughs> you give me the, the the white guy wink. The look both ways and wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. All right. Um. Yeah. The photo of Parker posing with with the cigar became popular. Jeff Gein, I guess is how you say his name, in his book Go Down Together. That's hot. Uh, the true untold <laughs> story of Bonnie and Clyde. John Dillinger had matinee idol good looks and pretty boy Floyd had the best possible nickname. But the Joplin photos introduced new criminal superstars with the most titulating trademark of all, illicit sex. They were fucking boys. (laughs) Clyde Barrow and Bonnie Parker were wild and young and undoubtedly slept together. They were clapping cheeks, dude. That's what that's what was so titillating. What also, else do you do when you steal guns well, and money? Well, here's the other thing. When they had WD hanging out with them, I think he alleged later on in a statement that they would have threesomes and like Clyde would get gay with WD. I think WD <laughs> just wanted to be in the papers. Right. Again, that's him just like- like I did hear about that, but more on the side of like, like we think Clyde's gay. No, he, was like de- he was 100% fucking Bonnie. Yeah. Like, like clearly they were in love, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I think that was just WD wanting attention. Yeah. So on the run, they uh, ranged from Texas as far north as Minnesota. And the next three months uh, through May, they tried to rob a bank in Lucrine, Indiana. They robbed a bank in Oakbina, Minnesota. They kidnapped Dillard Darby and Sophia Stone in Ruston, Ruston Louisiana, uh, in the course of stealing Darby's car. This was one of the several events between 32 and 34 in which they kidnapped police officers or robbery victims. One super cool thing that they used to do is they would like kidnap somebody, get the ransom and then take them to the drop-off point, And then they'd hand them like a couple dollars out of the ransom and be like, 
Yeah. For your travels. For your travels. Yeah. Again, they were kind of like. They, they got paid for being a victim. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, but it was always like definitely far from their home, so they had to like walk back. <laughs> they were like, yeah, catch a bus, toots. Yeah. Uh, stories of such encounters made headlines, as did the violent episodes. The Barrow Gang did not hesitate to shoot anyone who got in their way, whether it was a police officer or an innocent civilian. And again, I take issue with that because only very rarely did they shoot innocent civilians. The first time they shot an innocent civilian was with that guy, the Raymond guy. And all signs point to the fact that that was Raymond that shot him. And Clyde was just like, if I, were, if I were making the movie of that, I would have that be Clyde's like, this is me crossing the threshold into a world that I can't come back from moment. Like mm. I was a party to this, you know, like. It haunts him, tortures him. Yeah, it's like um, like he shoots him and then he like nudges him and then he shoots him a couple times after he's already dead. What yeah. movie did they do that in? I don't know. But maybe it was Sopranos I'm thinking about. I mean, they do that in a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're getting your bones or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the other members of the Barrow gang who committed murder included Hamilton, Jones, Buck, and Henry Metvin. Uh, eventually, the cold-bloodedness of their murders opened the public eyes to the reality of their crime. And again, it was all being sensationalized. <laughs> sensationalized. The photos, oh. <laughs> the photos entertained the public for a time, but the gang was desperate and discontented. As described by Blanche in her account written while uh, in prison in the late 1930s, this is one of my favorite parts because this paints a beautiful picture. <laughs> With their new notoriety, their lives, their daily lives became more difficult. As they tried to evade discovery, restaurants and motels became less secure. They resorted to campfire cooking and bathing in cold streams. The unrelieved round-the-clock proximity of five people in one car gave rise to vicious bickering. <laughs> Jones was the driver where he and Barrow stole a car belonging to Darby in late April and he used that car to leave the others. He stayed away until June 8th. They were just like... <laughs> Just so pissed each other. Like, I stop. I don't want to play the license plate game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I'm not playing I Spy. I'm playing or, the quiet game. I'm not playing the punch buggy game. Fuck yeah. <laughs> no, they wanted to play the punch buggy game. Yeah. Plate City or Platt City. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't fucking care. Also, really quick uh, corrections from a couple weeks ago. I called it the River Thames when we were talking about the Great Stink of London. That's yeah. the River Thames. I'm an idiot. Oh, yeah. Also, Drew, when you said that Haven on, on our Return of the Jedi commentary, Dan reminded me of this last night because he wanted <laughs> credit. Uh, you said that Haven said that the Star Wars people are so good at bringing animated characters into live action. Why can't they bring a live action? Was it Dan game? that said it? Dan said it instead of Haven. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I'm you, sorry, Dan. There you go, Dan. I'm so sorry, Dan. That's okay. <laughs> Dan said it. I'll, Quote me I'll accurately. Drew. All right. So in Platt City, I'm going to call it, in July of 33, the gang checked into the Red Crown Tourist Court south of Platt City, Missouri. It consisted of two brick cabins joined by garages, and the gang rented both. To the south stood the Red Crown Tavern, a popular restaurant among Missouri Highway Patrolmen, which is a weird place for them to set up shop, and the gang seemed to go out of their way to draw attention. Blanche registered the party as three guests, but owner Neil Hauser could see the five people getting out near the car. He noted that the driver had backed into the garage, gangster style, for a quick getaway. <laughs> <laughs> Blanche paid for their cabins uh, with coins rather than bills and did the same later when they bought five dinners and five beers. The next day, Hauser noticed that his guests had taped newspapers over the windows of their cabin. Blanche again paid for five meals with coins. So, like, they weren't... Was there a difference of paying with it. bills and coins? I think it was just, like... Uh, I would imagine the, the, the bills were either bloodstained or they could be used to trace where they I was going to say, from. like, were they in, like, circulation? Was right. circulation a thing I back mean, then? I don't know. I'm not sure. Dan would have to answer that question because he's, like, the forensics history guy. <laughs> so he, he would know that. But 
Her outfit of her riding britches also attracted attention. They were not typical attire for women in the area. And eyewitnesses still remembered them 40 years later. So it's like, that was the thing that tipped them off. They were like, look at that whore in her britches. You know, she's wearing britches. <laughs> that, fucking, that ain't right that around here. Whore. I'm calling the police. I'm calling the sheriff. On it says one. something that the eyewitnesses only remember her britches, though. Yeah. 40 years later. <laughs> they were looking at her ass. like, I can still remember her britches to this I'm telling you, I'm telling you, dude, Blanche was a stone cold fire ass fox. What's wrong with you, Drew? All right. Uh, Barrow and Jones Jones went into town to purchase bandages, crackers, cheese, and atropine sulfate to treat Parker's leg. The druggist uh, contacted Sheriff. So much for druggist patient confidentiality. Pharmacists don't got to hold shit. I guess. When the cabin, uh, so the sheriff, uh, Holt Coffee. <laughs> Are you fucking what serious? A, what a fucking hick ass. What a uh, fucking Please, Is it spelled the fucking same? C O F F E Y. Okay, at least it's still spelled though. A little, still, still, like Holt still, coffee. but Holt come coffee. on. My name is Holt Coffee. I'll, I'll, I got a baseball I'll bat that I, I, I named after a racial slur. <laughs> <laughs> he put the cabins under surveillance. Coffee had been alerted to uh, by Oklahoma, Texas, and Arkansas law enforcement to watch for strangers seeking others uh, seeking such supplies. The sheriff contacted Captain Baxter, who called for <laughs> reinforcement from Kansas City, including an armored car, which I gotta imagine back then was just hilarious. <laughs> you know, like what would an armored car even probably look just like? like pieces of trash like, can stapled, yeah, like, tra- tra- like garbage can lids, like taped <laughs> yeah. to the side, yeah. Uh, Sheriff Coffey led a group of officers toward the cabins at 11 p.m. armed with Thompson submachine guns. In the gunfight which ensued, the 45 caliber Thompsons proved no match for Barrow's 30 caliber bar stolen on July 7th from the National Guard Armory in Enid, Oklahoma. The gang escaped when a bullet short-circuited the horn of the armored car, and the police officers mistook it for a ceasefire signal. <laughs> Hilarious. Bunch of fucking idiots. My God. Stop shooting. Stop shooting. Stop shooting. The, 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 the alarm went off. <laughs> okay. Who's got the keys? Was everyone from like 1915 oh, yeah. to 1939 just a an idiot. moron? Yeah. I mean, especially the cops. Again, the dumb, corned beef brained, <laughs> Irish potato famine type, type people. Like, yeah. We're talking, I think we've talked about. Th- Maybe two, maybe three events that happened during this time period that's just full of incompetent fucking people. Yeah, because all they wanted to do at the end of the day was just shoot them. That's, that's <laughs> well, how yeah. they closed cases back then was they either shot them or then sold them into like servitude to a to a prison. You know, so a warden could walk around and be like, let's see a new crop of boys in here. <laughs> yeah. You could walk around in his big white suit. They did not pursue the retreating barrel vehicle. But again, you feel like they could have, you know. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it would have been pretty easy because... Uh, Buck was mortally wounded in the head by Captain William Baxter of the Highway Patrol, and still shockingly, he was conscious. Uh, It opened up a large hole in Buck's forehead that exposed his brain and caused a severe loss of blood. Oh, God. Blanche was also wounded in the same gunfight, catching broken glass in both eyes, much like our uh, the guy with the wood chips in his face. Yeah, Buck. She and her husband. I'd I'd still take wood chips. Yeah, same. (laughs) Yeah. She and her husband escaped along with Bonnie Clyde and W.D. Jones. Again, WD. Yeah. Nowhere to be found. Yeah. <laughs> this is a footnote. Yeah. <laughs> 
The Barrow Gang camped at uh, Dexfield Park, an abandoned amusement park near Dexter, Iowa, on July 24th. Sounds like a level out of, like, Left for Dead. You know? <laughs> like, like, I'm going to go to the carnival and shoot a bunch of zombies. Buck was sometimes semi-conscious and even ate and talked. His massive head wound and loss of blood were so severe that Barrow and Jones actually dug a grave for him. <laughs> the local <laughs> residents noticed their bloody bandages and officers deemed that the campers were the Barrow Gang. Local police officers, and here comes the part where we're all rubbernecking, and apparently 100 spectators surrounded the group, and the Barrows soon came under fire. Barrow, Parker, and Jones escaped on foot. Buck was shot in the back six times and survived. He My and his, God, this poor dude. He and his wife were captured <laughs> by the officers. he's a fucking buck. He's a buck. <laughs> but Buck did later die of his head wound and pneumonia. So pneumonia pretty much took Fuck. him out. What the hell? After surgery that five days later. Did he easy. die in a hospital? It's just like, he went in for whatever X reason. He died in pneumonia. That pneumonia. Though. That's most of how people died back then. It was out of hospital gangrene. But can we talk about like how Blanche was a was a down bitch too? Yeah. She was down, for real. down as fuck. Yeah. She could have left with the, with the others, but she should stay with her husband. Yeah. yeah. Respect. Yeah. Because she sure. couldn't see. She had glass in her eyes. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, honey, where are we going now? <laughs> she paid for it because she did survive her wounds, outlived her husband, but- oh. She lost sight in one, and I think it was her right eye, but uh, it was one of her eyeballs. Just didn't work anymore. I mean, one out of two ain't bad. For real, it's, it's yeah. getting off late. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for real. Uh, she was uh, extradited to Missouri and tried for the attempted murder of Sheriff Holt Coffee <laughs> in Plate <laughs> City, and she was convicted and sentenced to 10 years in prison. She did her sentence and lived to be an old woman. Ended up being way less hot than she was when she was young, which is weird. No one's hot when they're old. <laughs> I know. Talking about the Betty White shit. <laughs> <laughs> For the next six weeks, the remaining perpetrators range far afield from their usual area of operations. West to Colorado, north to Minnesota, southeast to Mississippi, yet have continued to commit armed robberies. They restocked their arsenal when Barrow and Jones robbed an armory in uh, Platteville, Illinois on August 20th acquiring three bars, handguns, and a large quantity of ammunition. Clyde was still bent on revenge against the prison system. He was gunning for this shit, dude. Mm -hmm. By early September, the gang risked a run to Dallas to see their families for the first time in four months. Jones parted company with them, continuing to Houston where his mother had moved. So WD was like, all right, I'm out of here. That's all, folks. <laughs> yeah, they all, no they one missed no him. One, yeah, no one knows who the fuck he yeah, is. He got back and they were like, they're like, hey, man, how's it going? He's like, I've been going for six months. He's like, I thought you were in your room. You make such yeah, little, right. in, you make such little impression. Did you, um, did you read about like, uh, that there was Clyde and Bonnie were really like, they was, they, they, they were strategic on how to meet up with their families. Yes. They were, it's like, do, do you guys ever see Casino? Yeah. When they have like uh, the wives call each other and yeah. then they talk for like five minutes. So the, the, the FBI has to stop listening and then they get on and tell where to meet at a phone booth and they all speak in code. Mm -hmm. It was like that kind of shit. When they throw a bottle. Yeah. They threw a bottle like at, the, at their parents' house. Yeah. Parents house. They, would, they would drive by, throw a bottle and it would let them know at what time and where. Yeah. And they would go to a field and turn their headlights on at a certain time. And that's how they knew that was where they were going to meet up. Yeah. So, uh, pr pretty like, you know, cool, primitive way to, yeah. because you know, we no radios, no phones, no, I mean, they had landlines, but you got to imagine you, you know, oh, yeah. you talk to an operator and they're like, who are you calling please? <laughs> like, the barrel residence. And it's like, interesting. Okay. I'm patching you through now. And then meanwhile, she's calling the cops. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they almost got got uh, on November 22nd while they were trying to meet with family members because of, like, rushing one of these meetups. Fuck. Oh, you're going to love this name, Drew. <laughs> Dallas Sheriff Smoot Schmid. <laughs> SS. Okay, 
I know I've been saying this throughout the entire podcast, (laughs) but I really mean it this time. Are you fucking serious? (laughs) Sounds like parents just gave up in that era. It sounds like the name of it's like what a chimney sweep with brain damage would name his kid. (laughs) Uses a smooth, uses a boot. (laughs) This is great. Deputy Bob Alcorn and Deputy Ted Hinton. Hinton is such a white ass cop name. (laughs) It's like like you only say Hinton after you like spit and the spittoon rings. Like Hinton. That's the name. Yeah. Uh, As Barrow drove up, he sensed a trap. I said, "The trap. What's next? (laughs) Spring the trap." Uh, (laughs) He drove past his family's car. So basically, they they made this meet. And the family came, and they were like, "All right, you're just, we're going to get you guys, but you guys are all going to get off scot free because you've been aiding and abetting." So, but then when Clyde drove by, he was like, "Nah, fuck this!" <laughs> like you know, like when you yeah, when you're showing up to a deal, and then you see a couple of guys that look surprisingly like cops, and you're like, "Nah, yeah. fuck that! <laughs> I don't need it that bad." Yes, uh, yeah, they laid in uh, wait nearby. Uh, at which point, Schmidt and his deputy stood up and opened fire with machine guns in a bar. <laughs> the family members in the crossfire were not hit, but but a bar bullet shot by one of the cops, passed through the car, striking the legs of Barrow and Parker. They escaped later that night with, you know, pretty bad wounds to their legs, a a 30 caliber, you know. (laughs) On November 28th, a Dallas grand jury delivered a murder indictment against Parker and Barrow for the killing. This is pretty important because this is Parker's first indictment. Up to this point, she was just like an accomplice or running part. Like she was just running with him. She was innocent. She, yeah, oh, well, she was yeah. good now. She could have. was forced. A lawyer could have made it. Could have made a case up until that point. And now it's like, eh. you're fucked. So this is going on their last run. We're winding in. On January 16th, 1934, Barrow orchestrated the escape of Hamilton, Metfin, and several others in the Eastham breakout. So he achieved his dream. The brazen raid generated negative publicity for Texas and Barrow had achieved his overriding goal, revenge on the Texas Department of Corrections. The Barrow gang member Joe Palmer shot Major Joe Krausen during the escape, and Krausen died a few days later in the hospital. If I were making the movie of this, he would be the guy that was like, you want some too? Yeah. That would be like full, that would be full circle. He'd be like, I got him. And Clyde would be like, hell yeah. <laughs> this attack attracted the full power of the Texas and federal government to the manhunt for Barrow and Parker. It's usually how these things go. They, they piddle around, piddle around, piddle around. They try to get them with, you know, top down. They're getting, the, the law enforcement's getting yelled at. Then the criminals do one thing that's too intense, and then they call in the power of the almighty justice system and just throw everything, every bullet they have in their, you know, chain at them. Um, the, as Crownson struggled for life, prison chief Lee Simmons reportedly promised him that all persons involved in the breakout would be hunted down and killed. <laughs> All of them eventually were, except for Medvin, who preserved his <laughs> life by turning on the gang and uh, setting up the ambush of Barrow and Parker. So he was a real douchebag. Well, I mean, if you're either like no, dead no, or- no, you don't dime on your friends, dude. Was he a friend, or was he just like a guy? I'm like, hey, I just got out. They did There's this. A- See, when I was growing up, there was a code, <laughs> right? There was a code you followed. The guys did their time. <laughs> yeah, look, twenty years I did in the can. Shit. Although it is not expressly illustrated in this scene, it is heavily implied. <laughs> that he did 20 years in the can. Yeah. Leotardo. Phil Leotardo. Was it Phil? Phil Leotardo did 20 years in the can. Yeah, it was Phil. Yeah, Phil Leotardo did 20 years in the can. I was thinking of the other guy who was friends with Junior. He did his time. He didn't say shit. That guy also did his time in the can. Yeah. But when he got out, he became a problem. That's why mm-hmm. Chrissy had to set him up. Yep. All right. Let's get it straight. <laughs> Sorry to bore you, fellas. All right. Uh, so this brings in 
Frank Hamer. Ooh. Nothing to say about that, Drew? <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Is this the last ridiculous-ass fucking name? I'm afraid it's not. Right. <laughs> well, how many more are there? This is, we're drawn to the, to the close, boys. Uh, the, t- the Texas Department of Corrections con- uh, contacted former Texas Ranger, Captain Frank Hamer. Played by Chuck Norris. And again, these were like <laughs> kids in their 20s who just had a bunch of guns in a V8 car. That was it. That's all they had. <laughs> but these guys could not get it together. Like, they were complete incompetence up to this point. Just, again, hunks of Irish soda bread. <laughs> Did not know how to do anything. Uh, he was retired, but his commission had not officially expired. He accepted the assignment as a Texas Highway Patrol officer, secondarily assigned to the prison system as a special investigator, and given a specific task of taking down the Barrow Gang. Hamer was tall, burly, and taciturn, unimpressed by authority and driven by an inflexible adherence to right or what he thinks is right. Um, Dan is screaming at his, uh, <laughs> uh, his his headphones right now that he would be lawful good on the D&D <laughs> alignment, alignment chart. Yeah, he was, he's, he's a lawful good. <laughs> or maybe lawful evil. I would say lawful evil yeah, because if yeah. he's just out to kill everyone and for in the name of justice. Yeah, he's yeah, exactly. He's got no <laughs> yeah. redeeming qualities at all. Uh, you'll find um, for 20 years, he had been feared throughout the Texas state as the walking embodiment of the one riot, one ranger ethos. <laughs> he had acquired a formidable reputation as a result of several spectacular captures and the shooting of a number of Texas criminals. It's officially credited with 53 kills, doubling Bonnie and Clyde's body count. And uh, while, while doing this, suffered 17 wounds. But I mean, for cops, wounds can be like, you know, like I picked a hangnail while I was on a stakeout and that, I'm putting that in my report, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's that can, I need that new can, clippers. I need the That can department. be a wound. Yeah, I cut. Yeah, exactly. I, my leg fell asleep. While I was like yeah. waiting for my partner to get back with our roast beef sandwiches. And, <laughs> I need those calls. Yeah, that's going to be <laughs> in my report. Yeah. Starting on February 10th, Hamer became the constant shadow of Barrow and Parker, living out of his car just a town or two behind him. How many fucking rotten loads were just in the back seat and crumpled up <laughs> tissue paper? <laughs> you know what I mean? <sighs> just, I would just open the door and shoot them out. Pulling up to like a, a vacuum cleaner billboard with some lady like kind of <laughs> half bent over. <laughs> Yeah, you had to take what you could get, you know, <laughs> just just pumping it out. I mean, you know? that's the fifty. That was gratuitous. Not the fifties. Sorry, this was the thirties. Oh, yeah that, yeah, that would be gratuitous. Yeah, that's still really good. That's, Anything that's more than scandalous. Ankle. Yeah. Three of Hamer's four brothers were also Texas Rangers. Brother Harrison was the best sh- uh, shot of the four, but Frank was considered the most tenacious. I like how they all have like, you know, he's the fun one, but she's the sassy. <laughs> you know, like they all have like their little like baseball card I'm a little stats. bit country and rock and yeah. roll. All right. So the grapevine killings are what put this over the edge. Barrow and Melvin killed a highway patrolman, H.D. Murphy, and Edward Bryant Wheeler on Easter Sunday. April 1st, 19th, on the day that the Lord Jesus rose from his <laughs> goddamn grave. Unbelievable. You're going to put down an officer of the law on the intersection of Route 14 and Dove Road near Great Bronte, Texas, now South Lake. Um, an eyewitness account said that Barrow and Parker fired the fatal shots, and this story receives widespread coverage. Medvin later claimed that he fired the first shot and mistakenly assuming that Barrow wanted the officers killed. Barrow joined in, firing at Patrolman Murphy. Good thing he got the Irish one. Uh, <laughs> during, the spring second, during the spring season, the grapevine killings were recounted in exaggerated detail, affecting public perception. All four Dallas Daily Papers seized on the story, 
by the eyewitness, a farmer who claimed to have seen Parker laugh all the way that Murphy's head bounced like a rubber ball on the ground as she shot at him. Again, you're not good. That's, that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> the stories claim that police found a cigar butt with tiny teeth marks, supposedly those of Parker. Also, Dan wanted to talk about this. He's going to be on in a couple of weeks, but the, the forensics at that time were hilarious. They were, they were just like, there's a... There's a handprint at the scene, and then they would basically just do like a Thanksgiving turkey draw, it like trail of trace, and then they would put it, the, fits. They would put it up to another person's hand and be like, This is our man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's so funny. That's funny. mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, that's the left hand. Oh, wait. And he turns it around. Oh, shit. Oh, it's a South Park joke. Anyway, um, several days later, Murphy's fiance wore her intended wedding dress to his funeral, Aww. attracting photos for newspaper coverage. I think she was probably put up to that. I don't know a woman in the world who would wear a white wedding gown to a funeral even after her fiance just got got. Yeah. I feel like that was made to drum up people uh, being pissed off at him. The eyewitness's ever-changing story was soon discredited, see, by the massive negative publicity increased the public clamor for the extermination of the Barrow gang. You see, now they've turned on. They loved the violence until... Mm It's not cool to love it. And now they want the the thing, you know. So it roared for $1,000 for the dead body of the Grapevine Slayers. Not their capture, just the bodies. And that's when things turn for old Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> Just like I'm turning the page right now and trying to pad out what I'm saying so I have enough time to get to the next thing I'm reading. And Texas Governor <laughs> Ma Ferguson added another reward of 500 each. Yeah. Not, not for the 1920s? Being at 30s. Thir- we're 30s. in the 30s. Yeah, Bear in yeah. mind how much money the, the reward is going up because that's going to be important later. Uh, so 500 for each of the killers. Uh, on top of the original, I think, 1000 There was a specific price on Bonnie's head since she was so widely believed to have shot H.D. Murphy. Public hostility increased five days later when Barrow and Metvin murdered 60-year-old constable William Cal Campbell. Cal? I'm going to save this shit for the end because I'm She was like, what do you want from me? I'm tired of this bullshit. Cal Campbell, a widower and father oh, somewhere in Oklahoma. They kidnapped the police chief, Percy Boyd, and crossed the state lines into Kansas and let him go, giving him a clean shirt and a few dollars and a request for Parker to tell the world that she did not smoke cigars. <laughs> I love that their sense of humor stayed up till the end. Boyd, identi- <laughs> Boyd identified both Barrow and Parker to the authorities. Resultant murder warrant specified Clyde Barrow, Bonnie Parker, and a John Doe. Historian writes, for the first time, Body was seen as a killer, actually pulling the trigger, just like Clyde. Whoever, Whatever chance she had at clemency had just been reduced. The Dallas Journal ran a cartoon on its editorial page showing an empty electric chair with a sign on it saying, reserved, adding the words Clyde and Bonnie. Oh, Damn, shit. that's gangster. Oh. Damn. So, yeah, <laughs> let's blow through this last part because it's depressing. Uh, all right. <laughs> Barrow and Parker were killed on May 23rd, 1934 on a rural road in Bienville Parish, Louisiana. I'm Guaranteed I said that wrong. Hamer, who had begun tracking the gang on February 12th, led, led a posse. He had studied the gang's movements and found that they swung in a circle, exploiting the state line rule, which prevented officers from pursuing a fugitive into another jurisdiction. <laughs> <laughs> An imaginary line. Barrow <laughs> was consistent in his movements, so Hamer charted a path and predicted where he would go. In a case they were separated, Barrow had designated Medvin's parents' residence as a rendezvous, and Medvin became separated from the rest of the gang in Shreveport. Hamer's posse was composed of six men. Texas officers Hamer, Hinton, Alcorn, and B.M. Maney Galt. Yeehaw! Alcorn. Yeah, sir. <laughs> and Louisiana governor, sorry, and Louisiana <laughs> officers Henderson Jordan and Prentice Morrill Oakley. Good God! <laughs> Damn Americans. If the Oakley line was wiped out, would it be 
that big of a deal. <laughs> we wouldn't have some of those sick sunglasses. Uh, on, on, May 20th, on May 21st, the four posse members from Texas set up an ambush along Louisiana State Highway 154. Hidden recounted that the group was in place by 9 p.m. and waited through the whole of the night into the next day, May 22nd, with no sign of the perpetrators. Other accounts said that the officers set up on the evening of the 22nd. Uh, at approximately 9.15 a.m. on the 23rd of May, the posse were still concealed in the bushes and almost ready to give up when they heard the telltale sound of a Ford V8 that Barrett was driving, approaching at high speed. Interesting thing about that, too, uh, and Donovan, you know this, Clyde loved the Ford V8 so much that he wrote a letter to Henry Ford saying, like, you know, of all the cars I've stolen, <laughs> sir, I'd just like to say that I like yours the most. If I could shake your goddamn hand, I would. Thank you. Thank you. I could do that legally. Yeah. So I've, I've never bought one, but goddamn, everyone I've stolen is purred like a kitten. <laughs> I'd like to see that letter. Yeah. In the official report, they stated that they had persuaded Ivy Metvin to position his truck on the shoulder of the road that morning. They hoped Barrow would stop to speak with him, putting his vehicle close to the posse's position in the bushes. In reality, what probably happened and what I heard had happened from other sources is they chained him to a tree. Fuck! And, and they left his car right there. And they said... You're bait. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to see you, but just keep quiet. We'll let you go once we get him. And my thought of it being that guy is like, what if you guys get got? Yeah. You know, and they don't know I'm here. I'm just going to scream for him. They're going to be like, you help them. fuck on a tree. Yeah. Honey, God, help. They got me. <laughs> When Barrow fell into the trap, the lawman opened fire while the vehicle was still moving. Oakley fired first. You see, he's an asshole. Probably before any order to do so. Barrow was killed instantly by Oakley's headshot and Hinton reported hearing Parker scream. The officers fired about 130 rounds, otherwise known as an officer's dozen, emptying their weapons into the car. <laughs> oh shit <laughs> many of Bonnie and Clyde's wounds would have been fatal yet the two had survived several bullet wounds over the years in their contentious confrontations with the law the bullet ridden deluxe originally owned by Ruth Warren of Topeka Kansas was later exhibited at carnivals and fairs again Wow. <laughs> this is who we are. Uh, sold uh, Eventually sold as a collector's item in 1988. The Prim Valley Resort and Casino in Las Vegas purchased, purchased it for a sum of $250,000. If you played Fallout New Vegas, you can go to a casino in Prim and see the car in a video game. But it's, <laughs> uh, Vicky and Vance is what they, they renamed it because it's like an alternate history thing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my dick is small and we're going to continue. <laughs> um, yeah, when, and, um, when I went to Vegas, actually, they have... Uh, at the wax museum, they had they had some some, shit, some uh, the car like that. They're, they're like bullet riddled corpses yeah. too. No, they did. No, 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 no. I know. I lied. I lied about that. But the, <laughs> oh, the, the, the car, car, the car like was the car, Swiss cheese. Yeah. yeah, this car was yeah really Swiss cheese. All right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, here I have the letter for you, Drew, that he wrote Henry Ford. Excellent. While I still have got breath in my lungs, I will tell you what a dandy car you make. <laughs> I have drove fours exclusively when I could get away with one. For <laughs> For sustained speed and freedom from trouble, the Ford has got every other car skinned. And even in my, if my business hasn't been strictly illegal, it don't hurt anything to tell you what a fine car you got in the V8. That's a commercial, I, dude. I, I, about to say, I want them to use that letter in modern car commercials yeah, now. Yeah, enough time has passed. Like, I've been stealing V8s before I was getting paid to steal V8s. <laughs> According to the statements made by Hinton and Alcorn, each of us six officers had a shotgun, an automatic rifle, and pistols. We open all right. I'm not going to go through all this because it is hot. We've gone a little bit over, and all you need to know is all of their statements contradict each other. 
Yeah. They looted the crime scene. Uh, there was allegedly a briefcase filled with money, and one of these guys allegedly made off with it. Uh, and they know that because they knew Bonnie and Clyde had stashed a bunch of money with them. I mean, how could they not have? And this guy who allegedly stole it bought a very large piece of property in a very expensive house <laughs> not long after this. And he did not make the money to do so. So it's kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, let's, the dirt. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, they like looted the car. They took Bonnie's clothes. Uh, the family asked, requested that the clothes be returned. And they, the guy who took them never answered back. A crowd of like, sniffing. <laughs> it's disgusting. A crowd of like thousands of people came. They were like ripping pieces off the car. One guy was trying to cut off, um, uh, Clyde's trigger finger. Another guy was trying oh, to, shit. another guy was trying to cut off Clyde's ear. Like, again, this is what I'm talking about when it's like that they, we seesaw we're like, Oh, they're so cool. Oh, they're bloodthirsty animals. They need to be put down. Get his oh, teeth. Oh, yeah, get somebody pull his teeth. I want a goddamn molar. Get his teeth. It's a collector's edition, damn it. They also took all the guns out of the back, and Clyde's parents were like, wrote a letter to them and said, like, you didn't get him on nothing. He ain't been proven guilty in a court of law, and those weapons belong to us. They're <laughs> <laughs> trying to get him back. Also, um, this is a, a, an interesting quote that I found because I didn't know they said this back then. Hamer stated, I hate to bust the cap on a woman, especially when she was sitting down. <laughs> However, if it wouldn't have been her, it would have been us. Would wow. have. It seems like they just drive away. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's anyway. That's how about. We're just trying to cross state lines. Hell yeah. They ain't harm nobody. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a circus light atmosphere that got the people away from the car. The posse towed the Ford with the dead body still inside. When's the last time you secured this load? That was a No Country for Old Men reference. <laughs> uh, Tommy Lee Jones sees a guy hauling dead bodies, and one of them's like hanging out the back. And he's like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> All right. Uh, the, population of North, uh, the population of Northwest Louisiana repeatedly swelled from 2,000 to 12,000 within hours. Curious throngs arrived by train, horseback, buggy, and plane. Beer normally sold for 15 cents a bottle now jumped to 25 cents, and sandwiches quickly sold out. <laughs> Where are the sandwiches? What are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Barrow had been shot in the head with a 35 Remington Model 8. Henry Barrow identified his son's body, then sat weeping in a rocking chair in the furniture section. Also, the furniture store doubled as a morgue or like a, like a funeral home. Oh. So, and I guess it wasn't uncommon back then. So you'd go like, ID your son. Then here's a chase lounge. That's Just go ahead. fucked up. <laughs> like, yeah. I need a new ottoman. And, and bear in mind, there's people all throughout the furniture store clamoring and talking about like, ooh, I wonder if he got shot. I wonder if he died right away. And the dad just like head in hands. Like, fuck, I lost I my mean, boy. I guess that makes sense. I mean, both both a chair and a coffin are resting places. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was good. That was good. Uh, in, oh, this is another interesting thing. H.D. Darby was an undertaker at the McClure Funeral Parlor, and uh, Sophia Stone was a home demonstration agent, both from nearby Ruston. Both of them came to Arcadia to identify the bodies because Barrow, uh, the Barrow gang had kidnapped them in 1933. Parker reportedly had laughed when she discovered that Darby was an undertaker. She remarked that maybe someday you'd be working on me. Darby <laughs> did assist Bailey in the embalming. They also said that during the embalming, Specifically in Bonnie's body, she was so riddled with bullet holes that they couldn't keep the oh, embalming no, it fluid. Just it just was leaking out. out of yeah. Like a Looney Tunes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there was like a leaky lifeboat, like putting, Damn. plugging a hole and then another one going. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You yeah. missed me. 
they shot the, her way more than Clyde, by the way. It's like, yeah, they didn't like it. But and a bunch of the, the, they said that this guy was, uh, whatever his name was, was the first choice. Apparently they went through like two other people before that and they turned him down because he's like, I ain't no gonna shoot no woman. <laughs> like they just didn't want to shoot a girl. I got standards yeah. now, you heard? Excuse me. Sh- yeah. And we got to the guy, she's like, I'll shoot that bitch 27 times. <laughs> guys who've probably been involved in like, like let's face it, like Texas. It's like they're probably involved in some pretty heinous stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but they're not going to shoot a girl. Okay. Um, Bonnie and Clyde wish to be buried side by side, but the Parker family would not allow it. Her mother wanted to grant her final wish to be brought home, but the mob surrounding the Parker house made that impossible. More than 20,000 attended Parker's funeral, and her family had difficulty reaching her grave site. The services were held. Oh, that's messed up. May 26th. Uh, yeah. So there is a small justice in all this. I mentioned to remember the amount of money that they, they were promised in a reward. The six men of the posse were each to receive one sixth share of the rewarded money. And Dallas Sheriff Schmidt had promised Hinton that he would t- uh, receive a total sum of $26,000. Now, that's in 34 money. Jeez. But most of the organizations that had pledged reward funds reneged on their pledges. And in the end, each <laughs> lawman earned $200.23 for his effort. Wow. And collected memorabilia. By the summer of 34, new federal statutes made bank robbery and kidnapping federal offenses. You were saying, you know, this is like the last of that era, Drew. Yeah. One of you was saying that. Um, the growing coordination of local authorities, you know, radio, that kind of like spelled the end of these kind of things. And then there, again, there's some conflicting accounts. But we've already kind of gone over that. Because again, they, each guy's story conflicts. It's like the guys who killed bin Laden. Yeah. Every, I did it. Everybody says that they did it. And they all say that the other guy is a liar and <laughs> buy my book instead. And it's, it's like, you know. So. stabbed his eye out by my book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the posse never received the promised bounty, so they were told to take whatever they wanted from the confiscated items in the car. Hamer appropriated the arsenal of stolen guns and ammunition, plus a box of fishing tackle un- <laughs> under the terms of the compensation package of the Texas DOC. The, the, Texas gave you a box of fishing tackle if wow. you killed one of their most wanted. I'm taking my boy fishing. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievably that white. Some that's some white people shit. We right gonna catch there. the catfish. <laughs> In July, Clyde's mother, uh, Kumi, wrote to Hamer asking for the return of the guns. You don't never want to forget my boy was never tried in no court for murder. And no one is guilty until proven guilty by some court. So I hope you will answer this letter and also return the guns I am asking for. There's no record of any response. Alcorn claimed, <laughs> Alcorn claimed Barrow saxophone from the car, but he later did the right thing and returned it to the Barrow family. Probably after he like... Uh, Dragged his nuts across the uh, the reed. Um, posse <laughs> members also took personal items such as Parker's clothing. That was the weirdest thing. Yeah, that was that was really that fucking is weird. really weird. To, to sum it all up, the last surviving member of the Parker family is like a great grandniece or something like that of of uh, of Bonnie, and she's right. Like as of whenever this was written, uh, she was petitioning to have the grave moved to be next to Clyde. So they're trying to honor her wishes. And I hope they- To hope, this day still? Uh, yeah. And, wow. Oh, okay. I hope they get it done. Yeah, they should. They deserve it. Yeah. They, uh, you know- It's what they wanted. Like, I want to bring up two points. Yeah. One, um, legally changing your names was a thing back then. So- <laughs> <laughs> they, <laughs> You didn't have to be sad on a stupid ass name. <laughs> they had that option. Yeah. Second- <laughs> And this is in the span of a decade? Well, honestly, the Barrow Gang only lasted like four years, three or four years. Okay. Even still, that's pretty long for an outlaw. It's a good run. 
Especially yeah, yeah. during that time, with no kill- with no support system like a mob or anything. That's that's or like uh like having any cops on the take, just yeah. being out when for yourself. Five guys they, running around, and they kill the kid style. Yeah. And they they ended up only killing thirteen, thirteen, nine yeah. of whom were uh, in oh, gunfights with them. Yeah. Again, so, not saying it's okay to kill cops. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, it's, like it, it, I, I would weren't say innocent civilians. for for like they made them out to be much worse than they actually right. were. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I would say, like, for the shit that they went through, it could have been worse. Like, they could, they definitely could have shot and killed so many more people, yeah. both cops and civilians. They didn't. They had a code. Yeah, like, they, they were, I mean, obviously not the utmost respect because they still, they are still murderers, mm-hmm. but... Like there's got to be some level of respect that they show. Oh like, yeah, it was a very it was a last resort. Oh yeah, that's why I think that's why they praise so much nowadays because they were actually like the first couple to actually true love. Yeah, to actually yeah, have all. each other's backs. And yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and, and really like there's married couples that don't they weren't doing <laughs> any serious crimes either. Like yeah. the fucking system escalated the situation yeah. to fucking new I, heights. I, I blame the system. I blame the the, the prison system because if you think about it, yeah, if that all, if none of that if none of this shit happened in the prison for for Clyde, went, none of this shit happened. If yeah. he would have if he would have been sentenced to a minimum security uh, for you know in accordance to his crimes, he wouldn't have gotten you know run through by that one guy. He wouldn't mm-hmm. have killed him. He wouldn't have become a hardened rattlesnake. Yeah, you know he it, it is truly like the worst people in society are not people like Bonnie and Clyde, the people who make Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. So, and it's, and it's also, it's all of us. It's us who like, who thirst for the blood of these people. Once, once we've decided that we're bored of their story, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't think of a modern day equivalent, but, um, there is no modern day equivalent. I stand by, I'm sure there's one somewhere. I just, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I stand by the people that I think are dudes rock kind of guys, uh, case in point. The Gib, um, <laughs> <laughs> he said some heinous shit, but I'm not going to turn on him and be like cancel him. That's what it's like. You know, not making it about cancel culture or whatever, but it's like it's kind of the same thing. It's like we, as a society, we want to do that thing where it's celebritizing, yeah, celebritizing, and then sacrificing a celebrity, yeah, to up to you know what we all have. Once we get, Their once we've run the, our course thing. with them, yeah, we have to throw them into the pit. And for then, the harvest, then we feel powerful. Yeah, exactly <laughs> for the harvest. It's all for the good of the harvest. And with that, we'll continue with our list of races that we're least favorite, fond of. I said Irish. Let's go around the horn. <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding, Drew. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So this was, uh, do you guys think this was a true tale or was it a... Not this time. It never happened. <laughs> that's, that's a little tease for next episode where we'll be covering cryptids spooky thanks for sticking with us this was a long one but um i hope you learned something i hope you became a little more learned (laughs) the more you know (laughs) any closing thoughts donovan yeah you know what